Thanks to Cabbage for supporting Market Foolery. Get the money you need to run your small business today. Go to cabbage.com to get started. Credit lines subject to review and change. Individual requests for capital are separate installment loans issued by Celtic Bank, member FDIC. It's Thursday, September 19th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hell, joining me in studio. This week, he's the Iron Man. It's Aaron Bush. Thanks for being here. I'm happy to be here. Yesterday, you're in the studio with David Gardner for Rule Breaker Investing. Check out that episode if you haven't already. And Aaron's going to be on Motley Fool Money this week. Can we start with some happy IPO news? Let's do it. It seems like all the IPO news we've talked about lately has been about WeWork, and that has just been sadder and sadder and sadder. <laughs> Not a good IPO poster child. No, no. Um, here's a potential IPO poster child for 2020, and that's Airbnb, which announced this morning it is going public in 2020. I'm interested to see some more data uh, as it comes out, because the last private market valuation I saw for Airbnb I think it was two years ago this month, and the valuation was somewhere around $31 billion. Right. It has to be higher now. There's there's no way it's lower now. Oh, yeah, it's going to be much higher. Wouldn't surprise me if it's double that when it IPOs. It's taken them so long to IPO, but I'm glad they're finally putting it into the, the works here. Um, is that something where the second the S one gets filed, you're going to get your hands on it? Or, or do, I mean, or is it one of those things where you're like, oh, I'm interested? I'm I'm not necessarily that interested. No, I'm definitely interested. What Airbnb is doing is a big deal. So I'm sure me, along with you know most of the rest of the investing world, will be paying a close attention to this one when it comes out. I think what's going to be most interesting about it is Airbnb is more than just um, you know people leasing their homes out short term. They're they're trying to be an OTA and compete with you know. The Expedias and bookings of the world from a different angle, and I think seeing their success on that front and what it means for the financials and growth, that'll be really interesting for me to see. I think what's interesting about their business, um, and this is something that doesn't really show up on the balance sheet, but it, it, it could be something that they speak to in terms of qualitative metrics, in terms of what they know about their customer bases. Airbnb is one of those experiences that, if you try it, and it works out well for you, then you're kind of hooked. Like it really seems like one of the at least that was the case with me. A lot yeah. of my friends, same sort of thing, where it's like, well, I'm going to try this once and see how it goes. And when it works, you're just like, well, this this is now the default for me when I'm, you know, on vacation travel as opposed to business travel. Yeah, and and definitely word of mouth marketing is a big component of that too. My my Airbnb experience has been hit and miss, so it's not my my necessary go to every single time. But I think it still is good to look at. But I'm assuming that if it was a miss the first time, you'd be like, no. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it was solid the first time. Got me coming back. All right. We have more immediately uh, an IPO today, and that's Datadog, which is a data analytics company. Great name. Kudos to whoever came up with that name. Um, Datadog, at this point, and it's just about 12 noon as we are recording this, we don't have public data yet, which is a little unusual. Typically, when a company goes public, we see the stock open usually around 11 in the morning. So the fact that Datadog went public at $27 a share, we still don't have an opening price. 
But oh, it looks like we do. Oh, Actually, as of right now, it's about forty-one dollars. Okay, I was just about to say the one report I've seen right before we started recording was uh, someone from CNN Business saying that it had indicated above forty. So there you go, forty-one a share. Up about fifty percent from their price. I think it's not showing the market cap yet that I see, but I think that's about a twelve billion dollar market cap. So pretty absurd. And for the sake of context, it's worth pointing out that Cisco Systems made an offer to buy Datadog for a little more than seven billion dollars. They're probably uh, sorry, Cisco Systems. They're probably just pounding the table today, just seeing what's playing out yeah, right now. Yeah, good for Datadog. I will say though. Um, Pricing IPOs much lower than they go public at is definitely criminal in some sense because that means that. Wait, do you want to use the word criminal? Well, criminal is probably a strong word, but uh, the the companies that are raising money, they're essentially just leaving tons of money on the table, tons of free money on the table when their stock goes up much higher than what it was priced for. So, Datadog is probably leaving hundreds of millions of dollars on the sideline by not pricing their IPO higher. Um, but I mean, it's also just a testament to people, investors out there. They're they're into software right now. They're craving high growth, and Datadog is giving it right to them. Well, and it's the sort of business that um, has the tendency to be sticky if you do it right. If you have a good data analytics company uh, that you're working with, then and they're serving you well and constantly innovating, um, you don't want to switch that there. Yeah, for sure. And it might be worth backing up a little bit just to share a bit what Datadog is and what they do. So they provide monitoring and analytics. Um, for developers and IT teams, and they sell access to a wide variety of features via software as a service. And the point of all of this is to break down silos between teams and integrate data from lots of different sources and turn what was once um, you know, a chaotic mix of data from lots of different places into something digestible and actionable in one place. They're not the only ones who do this. Companies like New Relic, Splunk does some of this too. So they're not the only player in this space. But what's impressive is they've um, been able to quickly add more and more capabilities. So they started with infrastructure monitoring um, maybe seven years ago. And since then, they've added tons of other. Um, um, features, application performance management, log management. Um, they just got into the, the world of user experience monitoring. So, if they were just focused on any of those one things individually, they probably wouldn't have a solid competitive advantage. But by being able to, to combine all of these things together, it makes them stand out. And that shows in the numbers. 40% uh, of customers over the past year are using at least two of their products. Revenue grew 82% over the past year. Their dollar-based net retention rate, which essentially shows whether existing customers are spending more money, is 146%, which is absurdly great and maybe the highest um, net retention rate I've seen since Twilio a year or two back. And the company has solid margins; they're producing positive operating cash flows. Um, so it doesn't surprise me that investors are interested that they're pricing it at a premium. But I mean, it must be something like 40 times. Sales right now, so uh, they have a lot to prove based on where they're being priced at right now. As a general rule of thumb, when a company goes public, do you have a typical waiting period that you employ before you buy shares, or is it just on a case by case basis? Because typically, you want to see 
the first couple quarters, not only how do they do, because we know every company, and I don't blame them for this, but every company, when they're filing it to go public, they want those numbers to look as good as possible. Mm -hmm. So, and we've seen certainly this year, companies come out with that first report and it is a big drop in quality. Um, But you also want to see how does management handle the calls? Yeah, I mean, I think as a general rule of thumb, it, it is smart. To wait because you get more information, you can see whether um, they are able to deliver and live up to the hype. But I mean, I think there are times where it can make sense. Um, if you see something others don't, which often occurs in times where you know there isn't mania around um, lots of stocks going public, you can find really solid businesses and not be too worried about whether they'll. They'll pop or drop at the next earnings. This is expensive, but this what we're seeing today with Datadog. This isn't Beyond Meat. <laughs> this, this isn't day one of Beyond Meat. No, Beyond Meat is is something else. <laughs> Let's move on to gaming. Uh, Apple Arcade launches today. Arcade is Apple's uh, video game subscription service. You were telling me this morning you think this has the potential to be the next big service for Apple. I think so, and it wouldn't surprise me if it ends up the biggest, the most profitable. Um, so, we've, we've known about Apple Arcade for a while. You pay, what we learned recently, is $5 a month for access to over 100 games at launch that are ad-free, microtransaction-free. So, you pay $5, get access to full games, no, no gimmicks or anything. Um, the price is lower than what I expected, and I think what most people expected. But, I think it could make sense. What they lose in price, they can more than make up for in volume. And I say that because Apple has probably one of the most insane distribution advantages of any company out there. They have something like 600, 700 million Apple users. Um, and Apple is actually going to be changing one of their five tabs in the App Store to be Apple Arcade. So that shows um, how much importance they're, they're putting into what this service is going to be. Um, it was estimated that they spent about $500 million or so on the initial slate of games, which sounds like a lot of money. It is a lot of money. Um, but the, the cost structure is actually so much better than what something like Apple Music is. With music, Apple has to pay every single time a song is played, which makes it really difficult to scale over um, its cost. But with, with games, they just pay a flat amount. It's a fixed cost, and whether the cost is the same, whether Apple has 100 million or 100 million subscribers, what's different is that the upside can grow exponentially. Um, and you know, Apple's pretty smart. They wouldn't be changing how they sell access to games unless it was beneficial to them. So I'm optimistic that this will be a very meaningful contributor to their services. I want to go back to something you mentioned because I think it is one of those things that. Doesn't sound in theory like a big deal, but it actually is, and it's the addition of arcade as a separate tab. Yeah, because that is that is one of those things that Apple does not do lightly. No, not at all. When you have you know hundreds of millions of people using that one app, um, it makes sense to optimize it. And if they're saying, hey, this this one service should be one of the five tabs, and like that's including search. And apps, <laughs> like uh, it shows that they think that this could not only be a big deal, but be very profitable for the business because it can attract lots of people. Uh, real quick before we move on, do you expect uh, Tim Cook 
maybe not this next conference call, but um, at some point in the next year or so. Do you do you expect Apple to start breaking this out separately, or does it just sort of get lumped into? Uh, here's what we're making off of services, because my expectation is, at least initially, that's what it's going to be. I I think that makes sense. I don't think they'll break this out separately. And in fact, I I think the whole services narrative could get even more confusing going forward. If if you just play out how Apple is thinking about services, it makes sense that everything about Apple could turn into a services company. Even like how you pay for your iPhones becomes a service. iPhone as a service. Um, so so how they decide then at some point to determine how they calculate a services segment versus other things. I think that's just going to get messy. And in the same way that you know Alphabet doesn't break out YouTube and that makes people upset, um, I, have, <laughs> I have a feeling we might see similar similar feelings about Apple in the next few years. Yeah, but I don't know. I, I, I agree with what you're saying. I don't agree with the timeline, just because I think that services would need to get significantly bigger over the next few years. I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if Tim Cook had already thought about this, and in the back of his mind, he thought, ah, "I'm not going to be CEO when that happens." Like, like not that he's lo- not that he's looking to step down anytime soon, but I, he may just be like, "That's ah, going to be the next person's problem." I don't know. I mean, this is a trillion-dollar company or so, so their services business is still larger than pretty much every company on the planet. Uh, it could make sense to break some things out. We're going to get to a trillion dollar company in just a second. But first, uh, let's talk about small business. Because when you own a small business, your time is valuable because you're the one who's doing it all. You're managing inventory, you're covering payroll, you're doing a hundred other things before lunch. And that's just the typical day. Getting the money you need to run your small business should not be the thing that takes up all your time. And that's why Cabbage created a simple, modern way for businesses to access up to $250,000 of credit. You apply online, it takes just minutes to complete and get a decision. And if your business qualifies, you can access the amount you need right away and withdraw more funds whenever you need extra capital. Cabbage has an A rating with the Better Business Bureau and has provided over 200,000 small businesses with access to funding. Starting a small business is no easy feat, it can be challenging. I have friends who have done it. David and Tom Gardner have done it. Having access to funds is an important key in starting a small business. It's something a lot of com- uh, a lot of companies struggle with when they're starting out. So get the money you need to run your small business today. Go to cabbage.com to get started. That's K-A-B-B-A-G-E.com. Credit lines subject to review and change. Individual requests for capital are separate installment loans issued by Celtic Bank. Remember FDIC. Microsoft. The trillion-dollar company announced it is raising its quarterly dividend 11%. Also announced a stock buyback plan to the tune of $40 billion. They've got the money. They can do all of this. If you're a shareholder, you got to be happy about this. But I'll just say now what I told you this morning. When I saw this news, the very first thing I thought of was gaming. And a lot of times when I see Company X announces raising dividend, stock buyback plan, my first question is, well, is that the best use of their money? I don't necessarily think in terms of specifics within a given business, but in the case of Microsoft, I thought, wait a minute, should they be investing more money in gaming? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good question, and I think that's a question you can ask about gaming. You could ask about their cloud services, you could ask about pretty much any part of their business. But yeah, gaming in particular, I actually do think they are thinking intelligently about strategy and about investing right now. 
Um, they're they're ramping up for their next console launch, which will be around holidays next year. Um, and associated with that, they're investing lots of money into figuring out what xCloud is going to be, which will probably be a leader in cloud gaming. Um, they've been acquiring many studios um, to to bring them in house so that they can um, create more exclusive games. That's a strategy that's been really successful for. PlayStation and Nintendo in some way, so it makes sense that Xbox invests more there, and they have. They recently struck a deal with Ninja, you know, probably one of the largest gaming content creators to stream exclusively on Mixer, which is Microsoft's Twitch competitor that I think most people don't even know that they have. I didn't know. Um, so now Ninja streams exclusively there, and it wouldn't surprise me if once the next console comes out, their next big Halo game comes out, if they invest more money to. Get other content creators exclusively on Mixer, and they can make um, Mixer a solid Twitch competitor, and maybe make the the playing field look more like it is with China, where they where companies spend a lot more money for content rights and that type of thing and personalities than here, where Twitch reigns supreme. Um, so there's a lot of things that they are doing. There's a lots of things that they could be doing more of within these realms. But I think in general, they're making um, the right moves in gaming right now. Is there anything in the gaming industry, whether it's with Microsoft or Arcade, or even just the publishers themselves, um, Electronic Arts, Take-Two Interactive, Activision Blizzard, etc., anything going into the holiday season we should be watching for? I don't think there is too much that is unique to be looking for this holiday season. I think it's going to be more of the same. Um, just more games being published, more people buying games. What's going to be most interesting is the next holiday season, when the next PlayStation console comes out, when the next Xbox console comes out. And we'll start to be seeing early signs of what the next era of the gaming titans will look like. Will look like. This, is, this is kind of the end of an era right now, so maybe not the most um, important, but it's ramping up to the next phase. I like that you're already looking ahead to 2020. I am, but I, but I will say with with Microsoft, it, it's important to put a lot of these like big numbers in perspective because they just have so much freaking money, Chris. They <laughs> they when you look at you know they're raising their dividend 11 percent. Um, they're going to spend another 40 billion dollars on share repurchases. Um, they they produced about 40 billion in free cash flow just this past year, and that grew about 20 percent. So when you think about um, Increasing their dividend 11%, there's a chance that they might actually be spending a lower percentage of their cash flow next year <laughs> on dividends than this year. And 40 billion is less than 4% of their market cap and is equivalent to their free cash flow, roughly. And so there's a chance they might not even like dive into their 130 something billion dollar um, cash pool, which is sort of mind blowing. So, yeah, there's a ton they could do. It wouldn't surprise me if they. Make more acquisitions. I liked um, Microsoft's acquisition of GitHub, for example, a year ago. It wouldn't surprise me if they do more things, working with developers and you know more like data analytics. So maybe acquiring like an Alteryx or an Elastic, um, more more software related companies. But um, they certainly are massive and have tons of options that they can they can pursue. I'm not saying it's not a challenge for the people at Microsoft, but it's got to be kind of fun to be in those conversations where it's basically, all right, thank you all for coming to this conference room. 
what are we going to do with all this money? Yeah, there aren't many rooms in the world that are like, all right, all right, everyone, we have a hundred billion dollars to figure out what to do with. What, what, what do we feel like buying now? <laughs> Jim, get up to the whiteboard. Let's start brainstorming here. Uh, three quick things before we wrap up. Uh, next Monday and Tuesday, a bunch of us are going to be in Washington D.C. for a full member event, but. We're still going to be bringing you episodes of Market Foolery. We've already recorded one of those, ready to go. Second, this afternoon, Andy Cross, Jason Moser, and myself are going to be doing a live Q&A on YouTube. The subject, speaking of Microsoft, is dividends, dividend payers. So, check that out. It's free to subscribe to The Motley Fool's YouTube channel. So, check that out. And last but not least, shout out to Anthony, one of the dozens of listeners visiting from Andorra yeah. across the Atlantic. So, thank you to Anthony for stopping by. And if you want to learn more about gaming and you're on Twitter and you're just looking for a good follow, follow Aaron Bush for crying out loud. Aaron Bush 100 is the handle. Aaron Bush 100. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show's mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday.